You are listening to the Ingenious Podcast, where God's word is shared to build undisputed champions and mighty redeemers. This message is brought to you by the Ingenious Network. Enjoy the message. Father, we thank you tonight. We give you all the praise. We ask, dear Lord Jesus, bless our gathering this evening. Let it be a blessing to all of us. As we talk about this prepared place, this prepared sanctuary, I ask that God, may we see something that we've never, never thought of. May we not just see it, but may it become useful to us. Even in the name of Jesus, the Son of God, we pray. Amen. The prepared place. The the actual title I wrote in my notebook was The Prepared Sanctuary. The Prepared Sanctuary. And to, tonight, uh, what I'm, I will attempt to do is to show you in the scripture that a prepared sanctuary is actually what God is looking for. We all have heard the song, God prepare me to be a sanctuary. God prepare me to be a sanctuary. Pure and holy, tried and true. Some people with higher revelation will say that it is a wrong song for a believer to sing. Because when we are born again, what we have actually become is the sanctuary of God. And we have actually seen this. Exodus chapter 25, verse 8 and 9. Once again, it tells us, God makes a request of Israel. Build me a sanctuary so that I will dwell among you. Now, remember, we've said that when we are talking about the temple, we, we have classified for the purpose of simplicity uh, our teaching and for for us not to clutter the things we want to do, we've categorized it into two, the meeting place and the dwelling place. And so whenever we talk about the meeting place, we are talking about the physical location or structure that we put up where we meet to fellowship. And the dwelling place, as we've said, refers to God living in human temples, as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So, but we've been talking in the past week about making sense of God's expectation for us. And on on Friday, whilst I was meditating, I was asking God, what, what next are we supposed to treat he gave me the topic, the prepared sanctuary. And so since Friday, he has been teaching me about the prepared sanctuary. Now, what is the prepared sanctuary? For the purposes of our teaching tonight, we are going to read a lot of scriptures. It is important because if I ask you to go home and read it, many of us will not read it. And so we will try and read a lot of scriptures today, but they are not voluminous as we might think. They are just verses. So we will be able to run through them quickly. What I'll try to do is to slow my pace so that whatever I say, if you are taking notes, you'll be able to take notes. But I will encourage you to take notes. Today's teaching has been an eye-opener for me since Friday. And particularly on Sunday morning, or Sunday, yeah, Sunday morning, early hours into Monday, when the Holy Spirit started teaching me more about this topic, ah, it, it, it was so exciting for me. So let's, let's get into it. What is the prepared place? In the place that we are referring to here is the sanctuary of God or the temple of God. So you can write the prepared 
temple, the prepared sanctuary, or the prepared place. I want us to start with three scriptures to guide our discussion. Three scriptures to guide our discussion. We are going to start with the book of Revelation chapter number 19. Revelation chapter number 19. And we are going to read the verse number 10. Verse number 10. Now, in Revelation 19 verse 10, Apostle John is about to worship an angel because of the intensity of the knowledge that he has been given. And he bows down and he says that, Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you, and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. So whatever we are going to talk about today, I want you to understand that what we are talking about is the testimony of Jesus. Then he goes on further to explain what the testimony of Jesus is. He says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So I want you to keep this thing in your mind as we progress in our discussion. The testimony of Jesus, the meaning of that testimony is that it is the spirit of prophecy. The second scripture that I want us to read, let's read Exodus chapter 13. Exodus 13 first. Exodus 13 verse number Verse number 21, it says that, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. It did not depart from before the people. We will come back to this scripture later on. Then the last scripture that is going to guide our thoughts this evening is Exodus chapter 15. We are going to read from verse 11 to verse 18. Exodus chapter 15 verse 11 to 18. And it says that, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? Awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. So I want you to take note of the verse 13. You have led them in your steadfast love, the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by the strength by your strength to your holy abode. So remember, he has guided them by his strength into his holy abode or his holy habitation. He says that these people have heard, they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now, now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are still as a stone. Till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. Verse 18 says, The Lord reign forever and ever. So take note of verse 17 and verse 18. The King James says that thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance. In the place 
O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. I need you to understand this scripture. Now, we said the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We've learned that the Lord led Israel out of Egypt by a pillar of cloud by day and uh, a, a pillar of fire by night. Then we have also learned that when God brought them, the people that he had redeemed, he guided them by the strength, by his strength to his holy abode. Now, we know abode to mean the place he lives, habitation, to his holy habitation. So, when God brought Israel out of Egypt, he brought them to a prepared place. A prepared sanctuary. He said that the place that he had made for he God to dwell in. That is where he brought them. Now it is very important that we understand this. We have been redeemed and last week we talked about the pattern of the instrument. What I am trying to communicate today is that when God brought Israel out of Egypt, he brought Israel to a prepared place. Not just any place, but it was the place that God himself dwelt. The house of God, we will call it. The habitation of God, we will call it. Then this place, as we read in Exodus chapter 15, is called the sanctuary of God. It is also called the mountain of God. So he brought them and planted them in his own mountain. Then he planted them in his own place. Then he also brought them to the place that he himself had made to dwell. Now what does it mean for God to prepare a sanctuary? What does it mean for us to be a prepared sanctuary? What does it mean to us for God to bring us to the prepared temple, the prepared sanctuary, the prepared place. Now, we've already looked at what sanctuary means in our previous sessions, but I'm just going to touch on it for the sake of someone who might just be joining us for the first time. A sanctuary in the Hebrew is the word Mekadesh. Now, Mekadesh simply means a sacred place. Now, I want you to understand it. So, Mekadesh means a sacred place. Now, we've already talked about how God makes a place sacred or holy. Now, the word Mekadesh is actually from the root word Kadash. Kadash, where some people will say Kodesh. Kadash means something that is consecrated or a place that is consecrated or a place that is set apart, or a thing that is set apart. So when we are saying that God has brought Israel to a prepared place, we are saying that this place is holy, we are saying that this place is set apart, then we are saying that this place is consecrated. Now, in the Old Testament, we realize when we read the book of Leviticus that Consecration is done by anointing and setting uh, what we call the purification rituals. Now, that is not the focal point of today's message. Now, when he says that he has brought them, you realize that the holy place, this prepared place, Kodesh, Mekadesh, the, the, the idea that this word communicates is about the holy place, the hallowed place, the place that we hallow. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The hallowed ground, the hallowed environment, 
the hallowed territory. Now remember, when we did the unveiling of the temple, we talked about how the temple is set in a territory with definite boundaries. So here God is telling us that there is a territory that he has marked for himself. And this is this place that he gave and this is the place that he brought Israel to. Now, this holy place that God brought Israel is actually the promise that he gave to Moses in Exodus chapter 3 verse 12. You remember when God appeared in the bush to Moses and Moses was saying that, what will I go and tell them? You are saying that you are sending me to go and bring them out. But when I go, how would they know that you are the one who has sent me? So this is what God said to Moses in Exodus chapter 3 verse 12. He said, I will be with you and they shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Now, what is that mountain? Now, this mountain is the prepared place. This mountain is the holy ground. This mountain is the sacred territory. Now, remember, when we read further in Exodus chapter 3, when God appeared in the bush, he says that, Verse 1, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So this place that Moses found himself is where? It's the place that God dwells. It's the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord, and I want you to keep note of this word. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst. Now remember, who appeared? The angel of the Lord appeared. I'm going to find time that we are going to talk about the mystery of the angel of the Lord. And how that is a pointer to Jesus who has walked the earth before. So the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked and behold, the bush was not burning, yet it, it, was, not, it was burning, but it was not consumed. And Moses said that I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord, now remember who, who is seen. When the Lord saw, now remember the angel of the Lord appeared, but it was the Lord who saw, and, and when the Lord saw that he had turned to see, God called to him out of the bush. So the angel of the Lord appeared, but it was God that called out of the bush. And he said that, here I am. Then he said that, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground so this prepared place as we see is a holy ground and the promise of god to moses as we see in the verse 12 is that this is the sign that i'm going to show give you that i am with you that i'm the one sending you to go and redeem my people now remember israel coming out of egypt to the promised land is the story of redemption is the story of salvation is the story of deliverance and he brings them to this place which is the holy ground it is important that we keep this line of thought now when we talk about the the prepared place or the prepared sanctuary what i would like to communicate to us this evening is this that the prepared place the prepared sanctuary or the prepared temple was meant to be a prophetic signal
to reveal a name. Now remember, this mountain is called the mountain of God. This, mount, this place is also called the sanctuary of God. This place is also called the habitation of God. Now we have already talked about God dwelling in us, God dwelling among us and all the implications of these things. So if you are now joining us, I will encourage you to go and download the previous episodes. Then you will be able to follow properly and appreciate the context of the message. So the prepared sanctuary is a prophetic declaration. It's a prophetic declaration that God was giving Israel. The temple, when God said to Moses in Exodus 25 that, build me a sanctuary that I will dwell among the people. Isaiah chapter 66 verse 1 has already made it clear to us. Nobody can build a house for God. Let's read Isaiah 66 verse 1. Now, in Isaiah 66, it talks about heaven being the throne of God. The earth is his footstool. What is the house that you will build for me? And what is the place of my rest? So it is a question that God is asking. What is the place of my rest? So it means that the temple, now remember we also said that The temple is a place that we build to host and to house God. It is a physical structure that we construct to host and to house God. But God is telling us that there is no building that we can build that can actually contain him. Because even the entire heaven is the throne that he sits on. And the earth on which we dwell is the place that he puts his feet to rest. So no building can contain him. So what is the essence of saying to Moses, build a sanctuary for me? What is the essence of saying to David, build a temple for me? What is the essence of communicating to um, Solomon, build the temple that I instructed your, your your father David wanted to build for me? What is the sense of showing Ezekiel the temple that he showed him in Ezekiel chapters 42 to 48? All these things is to give us the testimony of Jesus. It's all about the testimony of Jesus. And the testimony of Jesus is a prophetic communication. So what we see God do in the Old Testament with the prepared temple, the temple of the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle of David, the temple of Solomon, the what we call the second temple that was built by Ezra, that was actually commissioned by Cyrus and also added on to by Herod. All these buildings, these structures, when we read the scriptures, the Bible says that they are types and shadows. They were built to communicate prophetically the name of the God that was to appear in the earth to save us. The temple was built to communicate to us in types and shadows the name of of the God that was to come to save us. Now, somebody might ask, what do I mean? Now, let's read some scriptures. Now, remember how in some weeks ago, we are talking about the temple was built to host the name of God. It was the name of God. Where do we find this? Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 5. 1 Kings chapter 5, we are going to read verse 3 and verse 5. Then we are going to stay in 1 Kings and going to read a couple of scriptures from there. So 1 Kings chapter 5 verse 3, this is what the Bible says. You know that David my father could not build a house 
for the name of the Lord his God because of the warfare which with which his enemy surrounded him until the Lord put all and everything under his feet. So, David, my father, could not build a house unto the name of the Lord. Now, verse 5 says that, So I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord. That's what verse 5 says. So I, Solomon, I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord. Now, let's go to chapter 8. The same 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 16 to 20 says this. Since the day that I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I chose no city of all the tribes of Israel in which to build a house that my name might be there. But I chose David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of my father David to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to David, my father, whereas it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build the house, but, but your son who shall be born to you shall build the house for my name. Now the Lord has fulfilled his promise that he made, for I have risen of David my father, and I sit on the throne of Israel, as the Lord promised, and I have built the house for the name of the Lord of the God of Israel. Verse 29 is the same thing. That your eyes may be open night and day toward this house, the place which you, God, have said, my name shall be there now let's go to verses 43 to 44 verses 43 to 44 here in heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as you do your people israel Verse 44. Let, let me continue. He says that, that the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as to your people Israel, that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. Verse 48. He says this. If they repent with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies, who carried them away captive, and pray to you toward their land, which you gave to their fathers, the city that you have chosen, and the house that I have built for your name. Why am I reading all these scriptures? I'm reading all these scriptures to let you know that the temple was built to host a name. A name. A name. Because you see, at the end of the day, it is... The revealing of the name that is going to make a difference in the lives of the people. Now, if you go to chapter 9, first Kings, the same first Kings chapter 9, verse 3, we are going to find the same story. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your plea which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house. Now, remember, we said that sanctuary means consecrated. So God is saying to Solomon, all that you have asked me, I have heard you. I have consecrated this house that you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. So the name. We can continue to read. Oh, then somebody will say, okay, maybe it's only Solomon that is saying all these things. We can go back to Moses and we are, going to go in, we are going to find that Moses also talked about the name. Deuteronomy chapter 12. I'm going to read verse 5, verse 11 and verse 21. Verse 5 says this. But you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all the tribes to put his name and make his habitation. 
So where are we supposed to seek God? In the place that he has prepared to put his name and the place that he has chosen to be his habitation. Verse 11 says this. Then to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there, there you shall bring all that I command you. Whether it is your burnt offering, whether it is your sacrifices, whether it is your tithe, whether it is your contributions, whether it is your vows and your promises, you will bring it to the place where God has prepared to put his name. Let's go to verse 21. Verse 21 says that, If the place that the Lord your God will choose to put his name there is too far from you, then you will kill. So you see, everything is about in the sanctuary, it is the name. We can see this same also in the same Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 11. It says this, And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite who is within your towns, the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow who are among you, at the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. It is still about the name. Now, if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 2, Bear with me, I said today we are going to read a lot of scriptures because it is necessary. You shall take some of the first of all the fruits of the ground which you harvest from your land, the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. So Moses also saw that the prepared place, the prepared temple, the prepared sanctuary, was the place where the name of God dwelt. Now let's go to Jeremiah. Then I'll try and say some other things. Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 10 to 14. And then come and stand before me in this house. This is talking about adulterous Israel, Jerusalem or the, the deceitful Jerusalem, unfaithful Jerusalem, right? That's the contest. They worship idols and they pretend to worship God. So in verse 10, he says that you come and stand before me in this house. That is where the prepared place, the sanctuary that God has chosen to reveal his name, which is called by my name. So the sanctuary is called by his name and say we are delivered. Only to go on doing all these abominations. Then he goes on to talk about the evil that they do. Verse 14, which is my focus, says this. Therefore, I will do to the house that is called by my name and in which you trust and to the place that I give to you and to your fathers as I did to Shiloh. So you realize that what God gave Israel was the place where his name could be found. We can see the same in uh, Jeremiah 32 verses 33 to 34 i'm not going to read that but i will read ezekiel chapter 48 verse 35 48 35 the circumference of this now this is the 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 new jerusalem this is the temple that ezekiel has seen and he's described the temple its structure and everything from chapters 42 up to 48 48 is the last chapter and he's talking about the glory in the city. And he's talking about the dimensions of the city. And he's ending this, the, the statement by saying that the circumference of the city shall be 18,000 cubits. And the name of the city from that time shall be the Lord is there. So you see, the, the city itself is called the Lord is there. So, the Lord is what? A name. A name is what? A title. is an identifier. So, in the temple, there is an identifier. A name. When I mention your name, we can identify you by your name. But, 
The question is, did the father dwell in there? No, the father dwelt in heaven. Because you see, when Jesus came to the earth, he said something interesting. He said that nobody has seen the father except the son who is from the father. So, and he said that, Philip, why, why do you say that you show me the father? If you have seen me, you have seen the father. So, Jesus was trying to present himself as the revelation of the name that was in the temple. What I want to communicate to you this evening, people of God, is this. The temple, when it was given, it was meant to reveal Jesus Christ. Have you ever wondered why in the gospel of Luke, God promised two people that you will not die until your eyes sees the... Com- he said, it is said of Simeon, that God said to Simeon that you will not die until your eyes sees the consolation of Israel. And the Bible says that when it was that time that he had to be outdoors, he was brought to the temple. It was in the temple that his name was revealed. In our day, we do what we call christening. We name our babies, you know, we do, we call it what, naming ceremony. In those times, naming ceremony was held in the temple. So it was in the temple, even in our time, you realize that the names of your children are, if you're a Christian, are typically announced in the church. So Christ, when he was born, he was taken into the temple to reveal his name to the universe. After he had paid the price for our salvation, Matthew's gospel chapter 28 verse 18 says this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the name. All authority has been given to me. And so now I am mandating you to go out there and use the name. Somebody says, "Ah, he said the Father and the Son. Okay. Let's proceed. We are building... An argument. John chapter 14, verse 13. John 14, 13. It says this. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name. So Jesus is saying that after resurrection, it is my name that is the most useful name in the entire universe. He goes on to make this communication. He advances the, the argument in chapter 15 of the Gospel of John, verse 16. Chapter 15, verse 16 says that, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit may abide. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So Jesus comes and he's making all this emphasis about his name. John's Gospel chapter 20 verse 31. 2031 says this. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now remember, if you look at all the rituals that we've read in the Old Testament, when we look at the Levitical writings, the book of Leviticus, some portions of Deuteronomy, some portions of Numbers, you are going to realize that everything that was done in the temple was so that life, remember we read the book of Malachi chapter 2, and he said that my covenant with Levi is the covenant of life and peace. So, all these rituals was given so that Israel will not perish, that they will live, that the favor of God will rest upon them, that the blessing of God will rest upon them. We've done about 
uh, we've talked about the purpose of the temple. When you listen to some of the some of the previous episodes, you are going to find out what the purpose of the temple is, and you're going to we talked about I think eight or nine things. So Jesus is making all this fuss about his name. Now, why is his name important? We know his name is important because of what is written in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 to 11. It says that, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the heaven. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. So his name has been exalted. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 19 to 21. As the same communications. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 19 to 21. He says this. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his great mind. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in (laughs) heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So the name. The name. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. It says that, and there is salvation in no one else. Now remember, they brought sacrifices. They brought, they went through purification right Why? So that they will have salvation. And he said that there is no salvation in no one else. And there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is, no, there is no other name. Save the name of Jesus. There is no other name that can bring us salvation. Save the name of Jesus. Now let's read Revelation chapter 19. Now let's come back to the spirit of prophecy. Revelation 19. So we've already read verse 10, the testimony of Jesus. We are going to read verse 13 to 16. Verse 13 to 16 says this. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule with them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Now, let's do some Old Testament gallivanting. Psalm 138 verse 2. Psalm 138 verse 2. He says that, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. I bow down toward your holy temple. Now, the prepared place is the holy temple, is the sanctuary. He says that, for you have exalted above all things your name. Now we realize that the name is the same as what? The word. From the revelation that we read. The name that was written on his tie is what? The word of God. So the word and the name, it's about the same person. It's the same person. Then Psalm 148 Verse 13, he says that, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above the earth and the heaven. Let them praise the name of the Lord, 
So the question then becomes, what is the name? And this is what I want to end with. What is the name? All the scriptures that we have read, all the examples that we have taken, it tells us that the sanctuary was prepared in the earth to reveal a name. Now, it is the name that was going to bring us salvation. It was the name that was going to bring us deliverance. It was the name that was going to set us free from our sin. God could not introduce the name to us as he did. So when we read the first test we read from Exodus chapter 13, we realize that it says that, and the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. But when we read further in chapter, 15, chapter 14, it tells us that it was the angel of the Lord that brought Israel out of Egypt. Now I'm going to take my time for us to understand who the angel of the Lord is and how the angel of the Lord is Jesus. So, God gave the temple to prepare the entire human race to know Jesus. Because the temple was all about the place where his name was. The name that is exalted above all names. The name that he had charged us not to worship any other God to. Now, I said I was going to end with something in Exodus. So let me do that. In Exodus, you will read in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 to 7. God is charging Israel and he says to Israel, don't take my name in vain. But let me read the entire text. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery? Now, why am I reading this? Now, remember, when we read Exodus chapter 13, it says that, And the the Lord or or God brought Israel out of Egypt. But when we read again in Exodus chapter 23 verse 20, we are going to realize that it was the angel of the Lord that brought Israel out of Egypt. And as I said, the angel of the Lord in many, I'm going to take my time to teach that one also because it's quite voluminous. It's going to show us that the angel of the Lord is what we call the the theophany. It's the theophany. It's Christ in in the earth realm before he was born as man. In the theophany, he is not man. He's a spirit that takes on human form. So, he says that you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image. Now, remember, when we make a carved image, when we have gods, where do we put them? In temples. We prepare a place and we put them. We put them in shrines. Or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I the Lord your God, I am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing steadfast love to to thousands of those (laughs) who love me and keep my commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Listen to me. This warning, even though it was given to Israel at that time, and remember when it was given to Israel, they did not think about the Messiah or Jesus. They were thinking about Yahweh. But prophetically, when we think about this, he's saying that, now remember, 
when he delivered them, where did he bring them? He brought them to a prepared place, a prepared sanctuary, a prepared temple. What is the prepared temple? It is the place where God has put his name. What is the name? That name is Jesus Christ. So when God brought Israel out of Egypt to the prepared place, he said that, be careful that you do not take any other God as your God. And that when I reveal my name to you in the season of revelation, when I make myself human and appear in the earth, when I tell you that I am the Messiah, don't take my name in vain. So we have interpreted this to mean that don't take the name of God in vain. We have interpreted it to mean hey, when somebody is falling, he said that, oh, Jesus. And they said, hey, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. No, that is not what he is saying. What he is telling us is that in this prepared place was the revealing of the name of Jesus. And anybody that has been prepared as a sanctuary, anybody that has been prepared as a temple, anybody that has been prepared as a holy ground unto the Lord, there is one thing that is going to be evident in that place. The revealing or the revelation of the name that saves. That name that saves is Jesus Christ. And so when we say that Jesus can save, don't take the name of Jesus in vain. Don't belittle the name of Jesus. And that is why he even tells his disciples in John's gospel chapter 14 and chapter 15 that in my name you are going to get everything that you need. Don't belittle the name. God gave us the temple, God prepared a sanctuary, God prepared a temple to introduce Jesus Christ to the world. Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Jesus Christ to the Jews. The spirit or the testimony of Jesus is a prophetic communication. So the prepared place, the prepared sanctuary is the prophetic communications of God. And we can see throughout scripture how God prophetically declared the name of Jesus in various encounters, in various meetings from from the time of Noah so the time of the appearing of Jesus Christ, God showed himself in various forms by revealing the names of the Christ in its multiverse and into, in its multi-dimensions. To Abraham, he showed him as the El Shaddai. To Isaac, he showed him as the provider, Jireh. To Jacob, he was the God of Bethel. The God that keeps his covenant. The God that remembers his covenant. To Solomon, he was the God of his father, David. The God that keeps covenant of mercy. All these were the revealing of the names of Jesus Christ. The prepared place was prepared so that you and I can see Jesus. The question is, when you go to church, do you see Jesus? When we preach, do you see Jesus? When we sink in the prepared place, in the temple, do you see Jesus? That is why when we started this series in the year, and we're talking about unveiling the temple, we said that the moment that you entered into the space of the tabernacle, from the east gate to the western point, there is only one focus for you to get to the place of the ark of the rest of God. 
the place where the Ark of Covenant was, in the holies of holies, in the western part, there was a single focus to encounter him that dwells between the cherubims. His name is Jesus Christ. I don't know if you are excited about this and I don't know if you understand what I am saying. Everything that was given in the temple, when we look at the bronze laver, the, the curtains, the four curtains, the table of showbread, the wine and, and the unleavened bread, the menorah, the altar of incense, all these things were communicating Christ. The dimensions, the elements that were used, they were communicating Christ. The testimony of Jesus. The Ark of Covenant was called the testimony, the Ark of Testimony. It was all about the testimony, the name, the name, the name. And I want you to understand that the name of Jesus is not weak as we have been taught to believe. Somebody says, well, if the name is as powerful as it is, why is it that I am not getting the best out of the name? You see, most of us, we are not getting the best out of the name because even though the place is prepared to reveal the name, we are not prepared to receive the name. We are not prepared to receive the name. Because for him to put his name on you, it's, it's a precious commodity. Imagine that as we are now in the world, Bill Gates comes and says that I have adopted you and your name is now Adrina Gates. <laughs> Wendy Gates, Gifty Gates. <laughs> How would your life look like? <laughs> the name alone. Just the announcement that this one is now my child. You, you, when you see Trotro, you will frown. <laughs> Even when you see Uber, you will frown. You say, what is this? Do you know who my father is? The name. The name. The name. You see, my prayer is that you will understand this thing. How God was able to put the name of Jesus in the temple so many years before we discovered the name in the temple. It's amazing. He prepared the temple to receive and to reveal his name. And I can prove to you that Jesus is the temple. Do you remember in John's Gospel chapter 2 when he said that when the, the people were asked, what is the sign that you give us? He said that, I'm going to tear down this temple and I'm going to rebuild it in three days. I'm going to put my signature on this temple. And Bible says that the disciples, they had understanding after he had resurrected. That they knew now that he talked about the temple of his body. Now we've talked about some things in the temple, right? We've talked about the, the liver, the altar, the, the curtains, the gates, and some other elements. Do you know that the territory, remember you said that the sanctuary is what? Is the 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 consecrated territory 
the the holy place the consecrated thing or place do you know that jesus is an environment do you know that jesus is an environment revelation chapter 21 verse 23 revelation chapter 21 verse 23 after that we are going to read revelation chapter 22 verse 5 revelation 21 23 it says this and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of god gives it light and its lamp is the lamp who is the lamp Jesus is the lamp. The lamp is the light thereof. He said that by its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. Can you imagine? Jesus is the lamp. Now, let's go to Revelation chapter 22, verse 5. Revelation 22, verse 5 says this. And night will be no more. There will need no no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. Now remember, the Lord God is the Lamb. If you want to know that it is the Lamb indeed, you have to start reading from verse number 3. Say that, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Wow, what a privilege. At the end of the story, do you know what Jesus will do? He will write his name on our forehead. These are my. These people, they discovered my name in the prepared place. They kept my name. They walked in my name. They lived in my name. They thought in my name. They imagined in my name. They worked in my name. Whatever they did, they did in my name. Jesus is the environment. In the in, in, in the in the temple, in the prepared place, there is the there is the altar. Now we said that the altar is the place for invocation and invitation, and it is the place where the covenant is cut. It is the place where the covenant is cut. Now, what did Jesus say? Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, verse 20. He said, I'm going to shed my blood for the new covenant. Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, verse 20. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. It is a new covenant in his blood. Matthew, the same story is told in Matthew chapter 26, verse number 28. He says that, For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The altar was the place of the covenant. It is Jesus and his terms and conditions of service. Wow. I want to read something from Zechariah chapter 9 verse 11 concerning the altar. He says that, As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Can you imagine? Because of the blood of the covenant, God guarantees the freedom of the captive. So, we will be set free because of the price that he paid. 
it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We've read in numerous places the temple is his house. 1 Corinthians 3 16, 1 Corinthians 6 19. What is the place that you are prepared for him? The place that you are prepared. Can Jesus be found there? Can his name be found there? Can his name be found in your marriage? Can his name be found in your home? In the place of your work? In your church? In the fellowship that you belong to? In the friendship and the relationships that you form? Can his name be found there? We are talking about the prepared place. We are talking about the prepared sanctuary. We are talking about the prepared temple. Any temple that is prepared is meant to reveal the name of Jesus. Can Jesus be found around you? Can Jesus be found in you? Can Jesus be seen around you? Can Jesus be seen in you? Can he be seen in your conduct, in your speech? In the way you reason, can he be found? This evening, my prayer for you and I is that as we discover this prepared place, the place of salvation, the place of deliverance, the place of healing, the place of repair, the place of restorations, it's all about Jesus. Only he can do that in the prepared place that is what he promises. He guarantees the evidence of heaven for us. My prayer is that you and I will see it. We will see it as he sees it. And we will latch on to this truth and begin to serve God. Because what we are also is a prepared place. Your body is his temple. My body is his temple. We are a prepared place. We are a prepared sanctuary. We are a prepared temple. May the name of the God that we claim to serve, may his name be found in us. Peter said in Acts chapter 3, Silver and gold I do not have. Such as I have, give I unto you. In the name, in the name, in the name. I pray that from today, may the name become useful to us. May the name become real to us. May the name that has been in the temple all along, may that name become a reality for us. The name and everything that it represents. I pray that that name will become what it is for us. In the name of God bless you for listening. Maranatha, the Lord comes.